Hello world, welcome back to Centered Subject, broadcasting from still from Eurozone and New York City. I am in the Eurozone, in Athens, Elena, I am. Hello. And with me is co-host Jenny. Oh, I like the way you said that, Jenny, from the Brooklyns, yep. Yes. I'm here. I think I'm more affected today than usual because of my recent <laughs> encounter with dental problems. <clears throat> oh. I had a, a bit of a surgery on my gum, and so the stitches prevent me from being gregarious. I kind of like the way it makes you talk. Thank you. <laughs> you sound mysterious. Well, the laughing hurts a little bit. Oh, okay. So we will have a severe time. <laughs> trying to have a very serious time um i'd also like to inform uh, dear audience that i'm flying from athens on friday the 13th oh mm. exciting isn't it a doomful day in general in no. culture no oh it's from a movie no i mean since i was a little kid i would always i was i've been really skeptical i i've never experienced it to be a thing honestly i think you're fine but are people know. sort of a bit excited when Friday the 13th happens? It's it? true. It's it's fun. That's right. But I, I don't know. I haven't observed any magic happening. Okay. You'll be perfectly fine. Where are you flying to? Yeah, I'm flying to London. So the next time we'll be speaking, oh. I will be in the UK, which is dealing with Brexit. Ooh. Oh, yes. Maybe I'll find some locals to weigh in and report. Maybe I'll find Jeremy Corbyn somewhere. I saw him actually once, I think, somewhere. What? In an airport. Really? Yeah, a couple mm. of years ago. Anyway, maybe I'll see him again. And now that there is a podcast, perhaps he will <laughs> weigh in and we can taunt him about anti-Semitism plaguing the Labour Party. Mm? Mm-hmm. Sounds good. So the decade is coming to an end as well. That's the other news. Yeah, that's that's something I wanted to think about. Um, though I don't find myself being too interested in these like year in review kind mm. of things. I don't know. I think I'm more of a person in the moment. Even when it's the first decade of 21st century. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. You're right. It's true. We should think back on it and remember. And remember. I only remember one thing. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Just Britney the, Spears. The, what? <laughs> Britney Spears. Oh, sure. Wait, no, she was from the 90s. No, but I think uh, I was thinking of the, the Y2K virus fear. Was that? Yeah, that was good. That was 20 years ago. Wait, no, it's not the first decade. It's the second date. Oh, my God. It's the second decade. So sorry, Dude. audience. Uh, please. See, we, see we're is, the wrong people for this job. We don't misinformation. Even know. Wow, this actually reminds me. I suddenly remembered this class I used to take. Well, actually, it wasn't a class, but when I was a child, I was a, a Soviet child because I'm quite old. And I was a child, and it was important for young Soviet citizens to be politically informed. So mm-hmm. we had this class um, that was kind of community-led. It was called Politinformatia. So basically... Mm-hmm. The class would have to, basically would get together before school. We were forced to get together before school, like on Tuesday mornings, I think. And then would have a designated, every week there was a designated student reporting on something from a newspaper. You know, they would. That's basically our podcast. So I realized this is like our podcast. 
<laughs> Hello. Well, I'm, I think we're not as news oriented, though. I think sometimes no. we're just, you know, feeling oriented or mm-hmm. emotion oriented. Feelings, emotions are the same, maybe. Yeah, but we make our reports on various things. That's good. Did you report when you were one of the smalls? Yeah, I did. I don't remember what it was reported on because mm. it was just only such an uncomfortable situation. For some reason, it had to happen before school starts. So you had to be there extra early, you know, and so you just had this awful feeling in your stomach, you know, of being like underslept and mm. speaking in front of all the other bored children and <laughs> just was not good. <laughs> <laughs> That's very conscientious of you, though. It makes me feel like you were probably better citizens than uh, us over in America, not showing up early to present on the civic news, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It proves a point a bit. Still collapsed that country. Didn't help that the young, yeah, you're right. young babies were reading newspapers. No, they didn't, they didn't do enough. We were forced to sing songs against our will about the origins of Texas, in probably at the same time, yeah, in a very kind of socialist or, you know, the negative view of what they think socialism is. Mm. And I remember standing with my, without moving my arms because, like, we had to hold our hearts. And I felt compelled to hold my heart against my will so that I would not hold my heart. And I mm. felt really dangerous about it and was hoping someone would notice that I had not clasped my heart and try to correct me Mm. (laughs) so that I could say I choose not to hold my heart I am an American but interesting it never happened I also like the idea of holding the heart as though it would just simply burst from the chest (laughs) from all my Texas yeah from the Texas yeah and join in and yeah flying to the annals of history yes to where Texas begins so we may grow in power and worth throughout the ages long what? Yeah, I don't know. Texas, our Texas, as my heart explodes. No. Yeah. We'll keep you brave and strong. Power and worth. That's what Texas was wanting for itself. Terrifying. Mm. Yeah, history. Here in Athens, we see a lot of that. There's an Acropolis, for instance, which mm. was made 2,000 years ago. And then there are souvenir shops that sell little versions of Acropolis that were made quite recently in China. Mm, mm-hmm. Power and worth. Yeah. Be a part of the future, be a part of the past. Well, the 2000s and now the, the 2000 teens. <laughs> when was the last time you felt like, I mean, I do feel like we're hurtling into this like super futuristic land in some ways and then hurtling backwards at the same time so there's this this mixed Mm, experience of this time i read i read this article about the future based on this report yeah well i wanted to talk about it today but it's just so dark it's the new york magazine article what's something that stayed with you from the article if you were me when i was eight and you were reporting in front of the classmates what would what would be a takeaway well i think that there one of my main ideas i have is that making prognostications about the future based on things that are happening now is a dangerous thing to do but is important it's hard to see what will happen in the future, but I think it's really important to do that. Um, well, a fun thing I think is that they said was uh, because there's no such thing as like the media 
environment has changed so much. So like TV is totally different and film is totally different. So it's really hard to tell what a successful film and television show is. And they're saying in the future, we will never know because the companies themselves report on successful numbers. So like Netflix was saying it's on pace to be viewed by 40 million accounts, but like an individual would not necessarily know that. But I would say that that's also could be the truth with previous ways of, you know, who's to say how many people actually went to the theater, who releases that data that supposedly has a centralized information. I mean, that information could have been falsified before as well. That's right. And then my argument with that too was also like, uh, duh, we know what's really successful because it changes the zeitgeist. It changes the way people think and talk about media at all. It, it becomes trends. part of... Yeah, it trends on Twitter and, and, and that's how you know. <laughs> but I think it's it's silly and I think there's something about this like futuristic prognostication thing which relates to like H, you know, old prognostications. It's like, but also obsession with data, though. Well, yeah, but I, I want to say that like the things that were, how do we know what's popular in the 1940s? It was kind of the same thing. It's like certain things caught on, certain things became a big deal. They changed music, they changed film, they changed fashion, and that's not different as it is today. We just have we just have computer data to talk about it with, and yeah, it's true. We all well, kind it's of, less centralized because of the kind of more algorithmic reality where you're served to your particular menu of things that you enjoy. For sure, but we're also collective in our experience of certain true, things, you yeah. know. So it's like it's like yes, we want to. I think we want to say because things have changed somewhat then the whole landscape of everything has changed maybe in media. But I think we over we overstate those changes. And people have traditionally overstated those changes, right? Yeah. And that's what's like really hard about looking back and looking forward. It's like... There's a fear of the future, a kind of longing for the past. Yeah. And a kind of more centrist view of it, mm. unfortunately, is that like... Yes, things are changing very quickly, but I think we tend to like not see how things are consistent with the we tend to like wipe out the things that have happened in the past with this like very modernity centric mm-hmm. kind of way of seeing and and I think very similar things happen in the past they just kind of look different. Yeah, I think people are just so obsessed with now and mm-hmm. a lot often the only way that they know history through fictional film for instance or tv series yeah. which are made now um right on <laughs> even though in a way are a record of some sort of an air i mean it's always an interpretation right whether it's a textbook or a movie but still it's like a heavily heavily contemporized version yeah you can always tell by the hair that always makes me feel better but we've actually gotten even better at that <laughs> You can't even, it like has this sense that you're watching something that's like completely historically accurate. Like I'm watching The Crown because I'm a nerd and we, it really feels like in the contemporary, but also it does feel like it's in the contemporary because like a lot of the things that the show is saying, like the direct, I don't know, the director's perspective. The way that they render the characters is like through a contemporary lens. I wonder yeah. how eerie though it is, even though I despise that show, um, it must be for it is such a part of the cultural landscape and how odd it must be for you know the queen and princess anne and just the whole horde of them to just be quite alive and i know i to I also think about have it. versions of themselves you know like 
enacting their life as if they are long dead in a way. I know, you know because there's a sort of figures. tradition of yeah, of making a monument, the wax sculpture, the you know, the portrait mm-hmm. after death. Well, in some ways they are, they are the, dead. and I think that well Eternal. no. I think oh. that it the point of the show and I think that the reason they felt so justified in doing that is that like being part of the monarchy since forever, the conflict in the monarchy has been the relationship between being a figure of state and in that an object and but and then being a real person. And right. so the big conflict that the Queen's always talking about uh, that I just watched yesterday was like, you know, you you don't exist as an individual. Stop trying to be an individual. Even and the then, screenwriter talks about that, not the Queen. Yeah, you're right. But, I mean, I think that that actually was something that was really important for the modern royal family, and they struggled with it, which is represented in the show, but also was a true thing, where there was one moment where the Queen's husband brought a camera crew in because they were losing popularity or they were like yeah. they wanted more money so they brought a camera crew in to like film them being normal people and they didn't really want to do it because mm. they don't because the you know the mm. whole thing of the monarchy was like they weren't real so yeah. then this show is like even more of that right it's like even more of getting in like making up their inner lives but prince harry should start and the megan character they should start a twitch stream i think well she i think she's you know the the megan markle thing is sort of it's it's more and more of an extension of the of the normal human life of the normal Mm -hmm. you know modern life into their world and there's this conflict between the traditional and the the public or like it's not even the public world it's like the natural um, and the formal, something about that. That's like kind of the point of this version of the show. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I, I enjoy watching it like the Prince Charles character thinking about Prince Charles watching him mm-hmm. and uh, what his attitude is about it. Because he acts so vulnerable the whole time. He's just very like upset and vulnerable. And is it okay that I'm vulnerable and I can't be king because I'm too vulnerable? And then thinking mm-hmm. about the real Prince Charles, like possibly about to become king, you know? Yeah. And also I wonder if, if he looks at the episode and then he remembers. Because probably the costume designers, you know, uh, looked at his photos from 1982. And then they gave him that outfit. And then he looks at it and he remembers the outfit. And then he remembers <laughs> something that happens in the outfit. Because I of clothes and like have all these memories right. of my clothes and it would be yeah. funny I'm sure that some of the, his outfits have been commemorated yes I think that's an excellent point and a reason that you would that you would like to watch it because there are some pretty exciting no. outfits that happen no they should all be deposed I think and their money should be given to the NHS that's how I oh. feel wow all right. You're not alone on the show. There's people who say the same thing. Yeah. Um, they really like horses. That's like, I'm in I'm in it for the horses. Horses should be freed. Yeah. They're obsessed with manipulating horses in various ways. Mm. Um, and considering the manipulate, the future manipulation of a horse in different ways. Centaur. Yeah. They wish to be centaurs as we did last time. <laughs> So can you do a, a recollection of your life since 2000 in outfits? Oh, kind of, yeah. Kind of, yeah. Sure. A top three? Sure. <laughs> Go for it. Or accessories? Okay, so when I was here in 2002, I think it was maybe 2002, 2003, I had this really good outfit that was a 70s polyester shirt. It was kind of beige. And then there was a kind of um, a vest, a male vest vest. 
Mm. And then I had this kind of male trousers, I guess, that were like from a suit. And then um, I had these really chunky Mary Janes, <laughs> which are sort of back in fashion now. Mm-hmm. And then um, well, I have to think about it. And it's I just know, kind of, it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to pick which one you want to do. And then I used to wear my hair in a kind of like German... Um, German way where I would braid, you know, I'd have two braids and then I would tie the end of the braid into a kind of loop. You probably remember me looking that way. Yes, I do. It was a good braid. And then I had this uh, 1970s kind of square, clear glasses, clear plastic, large um, glasses that I used to wear. That's I remember. That was my like early 2000s look and then it changed in various ways. Yes. I'm familiar also. The aughts, um, I feel like I did a lot of, um, from 2007 to maybe 2012, I used to wear tops that would have a peplum, which is a kind of um, ruffle (laughs) that starts from the waist and extends outwards. So I did a lot of those. Yes. Yeah. And also architectural heel is something that I've embraced in the past, uh, let's say like seven, seven, eight years. A square, square hill. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's been a lot of clomping from you yeah. in these last twenty years. I'll say. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's been, where I am. It's decades of clomping through the yeah. years. And that's the only. Uh, I think clothes. Actually, no. I really think about shoes, but I think clothes is the only thing that I never really have trouble decision with decision making. Everything else is a problem. Mm. Yeah, I, I support you in that. I also have problems with decision making of clothes, but yeah, no, I know that you don't. You can you can choose an outfit quite well. I'm trying to remember previous jackets. I think for me there was I can't remember. Oh, I did. I've always liked to wear the, a little shirt and a big pants, mm. and this hasn't changed. This is completely the same: a small shirt, big pants, since I was in high school, and um. I'm glad that pants are allowed to be big now because I insisted that they were big and then they followed me in becoming big. So that's cool. I'm into that. You had also an interesting, I feel like you had this interesting approach to color when I first met you where you would do a lot of black and brown, Mm -hmm. which is actually a color scheme of a Soviet school child. Maybe that's why I was so attracted to it. We would have a brown dress and a black apron, but you would often do brown pants and like a black shirt and sometimes a brown shirt as well. Really, I think your consistency with devotion to brown, I have not (laughs) met another person who, who had done that as well. It's true. I I believe pretty strongly in matching my the lower half of my body with my hair mm. or my shoe with my head. I think that's a thing that I care very much about. I also like have I like accenting how uh, having a very small foot. Mm. That's going to keep going forever. I I mean I like giant shoes, but I think having a giant outfit of very large clothing and then a tiny little foot at the bottom. It's a great contrast. Yeah. I find that pretty exciting. And I'm, I'm going to keep doing that as I, as I uh, travel forth. In time, as you go forth. I've been criticized for having far too large coats my whole life. Your coat's too big. Why did you get that coat in such a large size? No, oversized coat is... Uh, I know. It's the way to go. Yeah. I'm right. It, it's interesting... As I, the different jobs change too. I have this relationship to like playful clothing changing mm. as I um, work in 
therapeutic stuff and in social work stuff because <laughs> it's the first uh, job world that I've ever been in where it's not you're not encouraged to be creative in your clothing and people find it actually really challenging and they judge you if you wear interesting clothes and they all list it as part of like patho pathology well, are you supposed to be neutral are you supposed to yes. be sort of yeah that's right so you're not supposed to disclose but then i'm hanging out with all these artists as my clients and so within that culture i think there's a little bit more room not like they don't see it as disclosure they just see it as clothing and mm -hmm. that's how people dress and it's actually kind of off-putting when when social work people therapists people like show up with these aggressively neutral outfits on <laughs> aggressively neutral i know what you mean yeah yeah they like present they actually very intensely present this like neoliberal you know, millennial and younger perspective of like being very pro-capitalist and very, uh, I don't know. It, it's like, you're, you're supposed to look like you're this kind of figure who's, who's presenting a, a very neutral perspective, but it's completely unneutral to me when I see it, you know? So it, I don't know the future of how I'm going to be dressing myself is kind of interesting. Cause I, I don't, I don't believe in this. I, I therapeutically understand the need for a neutral, but like, what is that exactly from an aesthetic standpoint? I don't know. I have to create it very carefully. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Sandy colors. Yes. The same. Mm, that's an interesting idea. Well, okay. So what are your goals in the future in the next 20 years what? from a fashion standpoint? I don't yeah. know. That's really a big, big statement. <laughs> I did, however, do something really I couldn't believe myself. Um, I watched a vlog, um, someone, a fashion blogger's vlog the other day to see what, you know, she was essentially talking about her clothes and what she's going to, you know, what she's sort of gotten mm -hmm. for free. And I was just fascinated by the, just how mundane. I really, I haven't <laughs> been watching a lot. I've been reading more and listening and somehow I ended up on YouTube and I was watching this vlog and the level of minutia that went into the <laughs> vlog, you know, from like looking for a recipe to describing pants and shirts. Yes. I mean, it is in the way, but it was really absolutely comforting and yeah. absolutely somehow mm, boring in this very neutral way. Yes. And really fascinating because it also cast this mundane tasks of preparing food, dressing yourself into these, into an artful, yeah. uh, it's mundane, but also artful, which I thought was nice because it gives, it kind of honors these tasks, which seem tedious often, but somehow mm -hmm. it's interesting when you do them, they're tedious. You watch someone else do them, you know, they're amusing yeah. somehow, but yeah, it, it, it was interesting that it ended up there. You know, I wasn't looking for guidance exactly, but I think I was looking for solidarity. I was looking for mm -hmm. someone else who was, you know, considering, you know, pairing right. white jeans with like white socks and white sneakers and a black acne jacket on a rainy day, you know, do other, yes. you know, is that, how do people feel about those things? I mean, there's yeah. <laughs> there's a community out there that also considers considers these things, and you know, I sometimes also feel guilty because I sometimes just think about these things for some reason. But it's a comfortable space for me to go and think about. You know, I yeah. should be thinking about like advancing my career, or, you know, making right. more friends in Athens. You know, yeah, um, yeah. I I had a moment when I was. I think we do that 
particularly in moments where we're uncomfortable or like, yeah, we're, we're in confusion and which is like a normal existential state. And there's a bunch of things to it where that person was also in confusion, but they made a video about it and then they made up their mind and their decision-making was before the video was made and it's done. So it's in the past. So it's like they've conquered ambiguity in some way. And so like you too will conquer ambiguity. And indeed, don't we every day conquer this ambiguity? But actually also, if you have a video camera pointed at you, I swear, I think it would be better at folding clothes and doing dishes because, you know, it would just be more fun because (laughs) you're sort of like, oh, is this just a performance for my audience? Yeah, you're objectifying your hand folding. Mm. Yeah, right. I should become a vlogger and that's how I'll conquer my domestic incapacity. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, it's it's an interesting phenomenon that started to happen. But I, I think I stand by it to some extent. But yeah, I think that I'd be much more willing to, like I was like suggesting once on here, like what you watch someone uh, encounter the fear of the unknown (laughs) just in a very abstract thought based psychological way and see how they process through it and then get themselves going, you know, like it's always the process after the planning process. It's very polished. I want to see the messiness of it. Like when they were throwing their shoes around. Yeah. Well, I think there's something happens with in that particular vlog, there was a kind of, there were a few boring things like the making of the bed or folding and they were sped up to music. Ah. So that was a way of dealing with it, which I thought was quite clever. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't you wish that could happen in real life? Yeah. yeah. I think I try to do that myself with how much coffee I drink. Okay. So yeah, you don't have any goals. You're not like, I want to wear more hats. Yeah, I mean, sure, I have goals. Yeah, that's... Um, it's just not, not a worthy... No, I mean, I'm I'm going to be more... Becoming more monochromatic, and um, I'm going to wear more light colors. Oh, okay. Yeah, so maybe like white and beige and pale blue. Yeah, in monochrome. Yes. So get ready for my visage. Yeah. Various shades of these pale pastels. Very good. I want to engage in owning property in the next 20 years of some sort. And uh, I don't know where or how, but this is a goal that I'm setting for myself. And I, in New York City, I don't know if it's quite possible, but I'm still going to say it. And in that, I also want to have the option of doing that sort of thing with a home and with like the walls and mm. furnitures once again. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. I was, I was thinking about this home ownership because, you know, I, I do copywriting occasionally and I was writing some copy for this real estate sale and it was, you know, and I was trying to frame it and I was thinking, oh, should I say, you know, this is a home that you've been longing for or is this a home that you've been dreaming of? And then uh-huh. I discussed it with my friend and I thought, you know, I told him, you know, I feel like I should really say, I feel like longing is more romantic and poetic, but I should really think, say dream off. And we agreed, he agreed because longing is more of a, it feels more like you long for something that had already happened. Yeah. And a dream um is something that's in the future yes it's more hopeful a longing is more melancholic yeah you can't be longing for a future home you can be only 
dreaming of one. You don't admit overtly. But better yet, it should be your goal because dreams or yes. goals are also different according Dream to... Dream long goal. Motivational speakers. <laughs> That's from right. From vlogs. That's right. Goal. Goal. The, it's like the keywords book. I mean, they all are the same thing, but they have slightly different... Gold digger. <laughs> gold digger. I'm a gold digger. I wish I was a gold digger. No, I'm quite comfortable in expressing my longings. I don't mind. I have a book on my shelf called On Longing. Oh, yeah, I have that book. Yeah, and I consider it, right? Because it's like, I think it's all right. I think we all long and we all don't want to admit that we long for things. And sometimes we don't get what we long for. And sometimes we also don't get what we dream about, you know, and we don't accomplish our goals. And that's okay. You know, I think it's this like very success driven, winning oriented way of seeing that we like, don't share that with others. And um, I mean, particularly with close friends, I'll certainly also everyone can't win, you know, it's like imagine a race and you just Mm. can't have it that everyone right. comes first because oh that, that would be great you know because then everyone would be coming at the same time why that sounds sexual <laughs> i want everyone to come at the same time that's my 20-year goal if the world's gonna end i'm gonna organize a thing Forget. where we come at the same time but man the rehearsals are gonna be annoying like everybody's gonna come all at different times and all these men upset about women that's coming <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Men are going to be like, get it together. When we're like, it takes us 20 minutes, okay? You don't understand. <laughs> oh, my God. Our priorities are going to get really weird in the next 20 years, and that's okay. <laughs> I was just also imagining the push on reasons, you know, when the sex was happening. People like, so I'm destroying the podcast, but anyway, but so somehow for some reason the people were having sex with also moving like snails. Why? Why were they moving like snails? Because it's a stadium. It's in a stadium? What are you saying? Is this the competition? And we're like yes. trying to hit it. Who's cool. gonna go first? But then they're all coming. <laughs> And there's like a snail trail. That's gross. Oh god! Good. Really disgusting. Wow! I love it. Mm, snailing into the 2020. It's great. It's like the Olympics. Yeah. It's, it's the Sex Olympics of 2020. <laughs> sex Olympics of 2040. 2040. Yeah. 1940s. Sex up. Olympics. Well, you know they had lots of sex in 1940s during the war because they were affirming their life. Um, the meaning. Being yeah, alive. they're affirming yeah. their their con their contacts on the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, actually, so thinking about it in that ter- those terms, if things are going to be quite dire, then there will be sexual repercussions for that, right? Because it makes people freak out. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I remember that. I remember that at uh, two th- in um, 9-11, there were all these people talking about the world ending and going out and banging all these people mm. or like having orgies. Don't you remember that? Like right around then, everybody, there was all sure. there, like, yeah, all the orgies, right at- yeah. Well, I mean, there's people talking about it. Well, I have my birthdays on, you know, 11th. Um, so oh, that right, was, right. I remember that. That was a... Sorry, my birthday's on the 12th. I'm sorry. What? Hello. <laughs> sorry. Uh, anyway. But yeah, I just remember that happening. And then the next day we still had, right. um, a, a, you know, a party because 
Yeah, I do a firm life. So you must. Well, and I think like this article that I was looking at, it it it's good because it talks about all these different, you know, things that they're prognosticating will happen based on things that are happening now, like in terms of climate change and the media and like the Chinese economy and trade wars and things. But I think that there are all these other things that happen in like in dire situations that we don't remember. So I think mm-hmm. that um, you know, like the sexual fallout of uh, global emergencies or, you know, new rituals that get created in times of shifting change or whatever. Yeah. And uh, I think there are all these like unknown cultural things that are, that are happening and that will happen that we're not aware of because yeah. new, news articles get written out of a state of like fear and you know, reflection or like, you know, like the out best albums of the last 20 years or that, you know, mm-hmm. bragging about the things that you you know about good media. So here's, you know, what happened. It's like using time and, and yeah. the future and the past to like do a rhetorical thing for you as a writer of an article. Yeah. I mean, it gives you a sense of knowledge and like adding it all together, right? Yeah. Like that you're sitting on a pile of, of, uh, information list times, um, end of the year equals gravitas of that's, self. That's right. Gravitas yeah. of self. And if you're included in a list, then you are a gravitas object. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I've never been included in any list. I think. Please don't include me. I'm happy to not be listed. I don't know what that says about me also, but. <laughs> I hope our podcast is number 1000. 159 <laughs> on the podcast we list. I hope we're trailing fine. at the bottom. No. No. Okay. Like snails. We're a snail of note, but um, <laughs> we we don't need the gravitas. I think it's oh. perfectly fine. Yeah. I want to make more prognostic more strange prognostications about the next 20 years. Mm. Because indeed, we will be alive for this entire time. You and I. Well, I I heard um, unless we die, yeah, pending pending death. There's yeah. um there's some interesting things I heard about AI recently. Mm. AI in China, um, this this kind of um, objects that try to read children's. Well, there's these headbands that they put on children's heads mm-hmm. to try and monitor if they zone out when the teacher is speaking. <sighs> Oh, rude. So I find that really rude. Um, yeah, and annoying. Yeah, basically, there there's just these these objects that they just have too many functions, and they really ask you for things that you're not supposed to be doing. Like, for instance, you know, I saw um, an ad for I think it was a speaker. It was like a Bluetooth speaker that you can hang in your shower, and it said it was great that it also came with microphone, which means you can answer phone calls. <laughs> like, why would I want to answer phone calls oh. if I'm in the shower? Why? That's very strange. really strange. <laughs> Hello. The next ni- <laughs> Niagara. <laughs> it just makes no sense. You know, just combining wow. these strange situations together that just should not be combined. I think that's what's happening with technology. These strange combinations of activities yeah. that should not be happening. Um, I'm yes. thinking of the toilet. Oh, oh, why am I thinking of the toilet? For two reasons. Why Maurizio Catalan made this gold toilet, you know, mm-hmm. and it was stolen. But recently he also made a banana um, that was at Art Basel and that was eaten. Oh, yeah. But also Trump recently spoke about toilets and waste people like flushing too many times. Yeah. What was that about? Wasting time. I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> wasting water. Oh, I don't know. I just went off. But actually, that's not that doesn't combine any activity with any activity. Um, somehow, I just went off the trip. I derailed. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just okay. hoping that there was a. To- I thought that maybe I remembered something about a toilet that had an added function that was unnecessary. But um, I no no. But not, it did not happen. The Bluetooth toilet. I'm not sure if it exists yet, but probably it will. Yeah, I really, I don't feel like there's much wrong with toilets. I don't understand. Why. Well, you could hang if you could hang up on someone by flashing a toilet. I think that could be cool. That'd be pretty cute. Yeah, I like that. I if a horrible person called you. Yeah, I really like all the technology to get out of the bathroom for sure. I feel uncomfortable bringing my phone into the bathroom. I don't think that's cool. I know there's a lot of like men bringing their tell. Imagine women bringing their tele their telephones and like going on the internet while they're taking a shit. And I think that's weird. I think people should just like get their life together and get some magazines or something, get some no, crossword just, puzzles. Like th- think about your life. Think about <laughs> your body. Like what are you doing with yourself? Like yeah, take time shitting. <laughs> I mean, oh what God. are we so afraid of here? <laughs> like get it together. Like have a communion moment. Yeah. And I guess like we're scared of, because it's not always fun. We don't always feel great, you know? And I think, you know what I think it is, is that I am not bragging, but I don't experience boredom in the same way other people do. Like, I don't often, maybe I don't allow myself to get bored because I just worry, and then I'm not bored because mm. I'm worrying. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm there with you, yes. And so this problem of being bored, and then you have to bring your phone everywhere you go, and you have to look at your phone, like, I don't have that because... I am full of thoughts. I'm full of good questions and thoughts and mm-hmm. I'm talking to myself in good ways and bad ways. I'm remembering things like mm-hmm. there's so much going on that like I almost don't want other information in there. But I think I'm not the same as most people. I think people are like, oh, a moment to myself. How disturbing. I must have a podcast in my ear. Mm. A moment to myself on the toilet. Uh, I will, You know, it's like, yeah, I'm not like that. I don't know. I have a lot of ideas going through my head. I have like too many going through my head because I'm in school and I'm always like doing all these different therapies on myself constantly, which I'm apparently not supposed to do. Oh, yeah. I don't think you can self-therapize. I'm pretty sure that's illegal. <laughs> it's illegal. What's going to happen? Oh. They're going to put me in jail? Oh, um, they will take away your the diagnostic book, the DSMW oh. or something. Yeah. DSM, mm-hmm. They'll confiscate Campbell. it. Yeah. They'll shred <sighs> it. So. I like my DSM. It's fun. We like to, my friend and I like to play a game where we flip through it and then we tell each other which disorder we have. That's kind of cute. <laughs> I guess it's mean, <laughs> but it was fun the other day. Because also, when you flip through it, some things happen where you're like, oh, I understand some people have this as a disorder and it's a huge challenge in mm-hmm. their lives. But a lot of the things that are called disorders when they're just sort of like normal things that they shouldn't call a disorder, they should call normal behavior, but it's just like not quite normalized yet. Like it's mm-hmm. quite problematic. I mean, most of my friends talk about it. It's like a trippy, problematic kind of thing, except for major, major stuff, I think, where you need it. But anyway. Yeah, we're forced to memorize it. I have to take a test on it in a week. Oh, no. It's cute, though. It's like a little pocketbook that I bust out and uh, can consider people's mm-hmm. disorders. <laughs> the disordered mind. Yeah. The maladaptive mind. The adaptive mind. Oh. 
Any other predictions? Mm, predictions. No, I already issued my prediction of Trump being elected last time. Oh, I know. It felt very intense when you said that. It's affected me all week. I've asked others, and they believe that it's a fit. A couple people have said it's a 50 50 chance. That's what their prognostication is. Well, I believe. Um, I think my prognosis is that podcast will go on, mm. our podcast center subject. It will become ever more centered, and then it will go in concentric circles. Oh, I think that's pretty accurate for what it does. Involving other beings. Yeah. Mm. What else? I will be doing more traveling. I'm not really sure. I think, you know, I'm a person of eternal now. I don't really Mm. prognosticate. That's my problem. It's hard for me to think of the past unless it's something that I read. And it's hard for me to think of the future because... The now is very colorful. Mm. I'm a person of the past, and I struggle to be in the now, which is why I don't want to be on my phone. Mm. But I think I want to set goals and, you know, dreams and longings for the future because of um, because of my tendency to be from the past. Oh yeah. Well, I heard. I think there's there's a lot of um, kind of thinking about that that maybe sets people up for disappointment and. Mm-hmm. I I read about something. you mean goal setting yeah because yeah. Well, or you have to sort of do it gently I think so mm-hmm. that you are like doing it in a really gradual kind of way maybe I think right. I also heard of people talking about setting a theme you know for their oh I love that for their year so it's less um, it's less pressuresome and it's sort of more because really it's just all about the mind and how you feel in a situation so it's less mm. I think about um, maybe what what happens to you but more about how you interpret it Hmm, that's wonderful yeah yes i want to set a theme and then it's kind of like more like um writing a play rather than performing Mm -hmm. chores somehow Mm -hmm. that's right like it's less prescriptive and like you're forcing yourself to do things a certain way yeah yeah i like that very much instead you could be maybe you did something and then retroactively you feel you look at it and you think oh that perfectly aligns with my theme of you know mm-hmm. thinking like a sophocles Ooh, yeah I, I think like looking back on the way things kind of go we almost always follow our own interests towards things and we live in terms of themes like you can't really see what lessons you learned or whatever at the time or even right after it happened but looking back you can always be like oh there was a pattern to that there was a Mm -hmm. some things I was trying to work out and you can see that there are these like you know I could even put like colors to them or themes to the different aspects so like I think that's great to look forward and create themes. Yeah, I think I wanted to have um, a period of like gentle experimentation with my job life and uh, less of a like you have to do things in this prescribed way mm-hmm. in the next year. But like I have I have very concrete goals that I want to accomplish, but it's it's going to be kind of challenging. So I need to think of it in terms of experimenting with who I am and what kind of person I am and these, you know, new things that I'm learning, but in this respectful way of like who I used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. you don't want to raise the person that brought you to where you are. That's interesting. I love that, though, the sense of responsibility to our past selves mm-hmm. in, an, in a gentle way, you know? Yeah, I think one of the reasons why I really like going um, to different places, because I always feel like, well, but it's, it's never right. 
um, I only think that it's maybe a chance to reinvent myself, mm-hmm. but it didn't quite work that way. The self yeah. comes with, your past comes with you. Do you think when you do that, that it's going to be like a full recreation every time? I think, you know, irrationally in some way, I think I do believe that, you know, I somehow, mm. but also the world is just really tiny and you can, you know, maybe you'll go to a place you've never been, but you'll still mm. run into someone, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, so, you know, it's kind of like marrying you. But no, no, I mean, of course, I don't really believe that, but I think I do have some, I think there's an irrational hope maybe that somehow. Mm. But you know what? Actually, it does, it does change things. Like how? Well, it's, I think it's also easy to change habits or because I think some of the way, some of the reasons why we behave a certain way is because we kind of have this, you know, the idea of the the self within the social. So you sort of think of the way that other people perceive you mm-hmm. and then you behave in a way in accordance to that somehow. Mm-hmm. Even maybe unconsciously, but there's still this kind of dynamic um, of presenting as as a recognizable creature in your context. Yeah. So I think when you go somewhere else and people don't really know what kind of creature you are, you can sort of perform a different role and then, you know, just kind of roll with this new. And so if you want to try different behavior, um, that's a good way of trying doing it because you feel mm-hmm. unencumbered by your kind of previous identity. Yeah. Maybe. Well, social media, I guess, interferes with that. So if you're a vlogger and you're vlogging along <laughs> as you do it, I think you have to maintain a consistency. But if you're sort of a more anonymous person, you can be more experimental. Yeah. Do you feel like the places change you? Like when you leave one place, do you feel transformed by that place in some way well I think I go away with a sense of new experience but at the core I do feel like the same self always mm-hmm. yeah. yeah but I do notice different things about maybe different behaviors or different ways of yeah um, maybe different levels of confidence I think some places make me feel more confident and other places less so um, yeah but I guess it also depends on the weather inside and how right. you feel inside. I can feel the different cultural values of the places that I live. And sometimes like just going to different places, kind of in a north-south in America kind of perspective. And I can see, uh, and I think also because like I felt like an outsider when I lived in the American South because I'm kind of a northern type person when I'm there. But then as in, in the north, I always feel kind of like a southerner. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to go to each place to keep moving back and forth. Yeah. And then and then like get this sense, not necessarily of insider, outsider, but of these different values that I have. Like in the South, I always feel very opinionated and it's like less okay to be super opinionated there. I mean, depending on who I'm hanging out with. But in the North, people always think I'm like very friendly because I'm a Southerner, mm. but I'm, I'm just like being a Southerner right. and politeness works yeah. a different way. I love that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. I have this, um, you know, so when I'm, did I say this maybe here? But when I'm in the States, I'm sort of more Belarusian or Eastern or Slavic. But like here in Greece, I'm sort of more American maybe. And Belarusian Mm -hmm. comes as a secondary term. Um, I guess the other thing is just being a woman here just feels a different way because it's just more um, men are kind of more more forward, um, more macho, and they comment on your appearance, and you just sort of, it's just other way of being that 
I mean, I think in comparison, I feel like American men are quite well trained, mm-hmm. um, or at least in our circle. But here, they're kind of yeah, just more more forward, I suppose. Interesting. Which is sometimes unsettling, but sometimes very pleasant. So kind of a mix, depending who. Yeah, it would be interesting to do a like a, an article, um, a gender gender dating you know different Mm. in different realms and just like Mm. thinking about your own experience of gender as you date around the world (laughs) right you can write a book yeah 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 that could be fun also i would say there's a thing with transportation like when you're at the car and no car lands like there's like a whole other car land here yeah sense of identity and yourself as car and then when i go to the south like i am i am like absent of car and so i am (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm faulty in some way because I have no car, but I don't feel that I need a, to have a car around me all of the time, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but the world around me does. So it's like this funny, where's your car? Oh, this funny. I have, a, I had a funny conversation um, yesterday where someone said, do you know why there are no creatures <laughs> with wheel shaped feet? And <laughs> I said no because and then he said it's because there are no roads in nature. Whoa. So, you need <laughs> Yes, that's what I will say the next time I'm bothered. But now that we have so many roads, we can finally have wheel shaped feet. Oh. oh wait, we do. That's the car. Yes. Oh, right, right. That's our that's our invention. That's our creature invention. That's right. Indeed. I suppose you could you could clone a wheel a wheel footed creature if you wished, if that's your prognostication for the <laughs> Oh yeah, okay. So that's gonna be our final prognostication. We're arriving at that cutoff time, so it seems yes. like a perfect time this to This is that's what we're gonna put forward, okay. To wheel away on that note, basically. <laughs> it's a small suggestion. Roll away. <laughs> Roll on. Very good. Roll into the third decade of 21st century. Okay. We'll be back again. Yes. And soon enough. We hope that you will be back as well. Yeah. Meow. Um, low key ending here. Yeah. Adieu. 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 Okay, next time we speak from England and New York. Ciao. Bye bye. Bye.